So it just so happens, um, probably you're like this too, you can't just think of one, right? Probably had, raise your hand if you had a couple, you had to kind of choose from, a couple meals, you had a couple. Um, so one of the meals that I, um, that I left instantly to mind was this bachelor party um, at Whistler. Uh, we all went there starting at uh, 6 one, uh, one night. Uh, there were 12 of us, we had just skied really hard, and we had like five courses over six hours. And it just was this incredible meal of eating and feasting and drinking and laughing, and it was amazing. Jokes, so good. Uh, apparently, for me, the place to go for memorable meals is Canada. Uh, two others. Uh, one of them, Amy and I, on our honeymoon, we went to the um, Canadian Rockies, and we had this exquisite meal at this uh, restaurant uh, not far from where we, we stayed. And I can still just uh, remember like, just gazing upon my bride, thinking, how is what? This is amazing, and how are we going to do this? And this is the best caribou. This is the only caribou I've ever had. <laughs> and then uh, finally, on uh, one of the coastal uh, mountains in British Columbia, after uh, an extraordinarily long, rigorous, fun day hiking, um, I just have these very clear memories of eating out of a tin can and being so happy with my fellowship and what I accomplished and how nourishing and yummy the food was after that day. All of those memories involve food and people and laughter and dreaming, and that's what we want to talk about for the rest, for the next six weeks, we're going to go through this series called Red Carpets, and what we're seeking to do is understand what is biblical, godly hospitality. When we use that word hospitality, what do we mean for both theologically and biblically, and how do we go about actually doing it? And just, uh, I'm not sure why this is how my mind works. The first thing I thought of were red carpets. You know, red carpets, now they kind of become this thing where it's, uh, you know, it's what you do at the Oscars. Everyone gets all dressed up nice, and everyone's sort of like, they, you know, they do all their fronting and maxing up there in front of the camera, and it's great. But the red carpet itself was originally supposed to be this thing you, you rolled out to sort of indicate the lavish welcome. The red carpet itself was a thing you sort of rolled out. It was when, when you really wanted to make sure you said, I am so excited and glad you're here. I've spared no expense, no experience for you to be here with us today. How can we go about doing that? Why would we go about doing that as a church and as individuals when we're the church scattered? Why would we do that? So let's pray and we'll dig right in to uh, this first of seven sermons on hospitality. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, today, every day we gather here for worship. I hold this Bible between us, God. I hold it between us as a sign and symbol that we desire that this always be the thing that is between us, that together, this church and whoever's preaching would peer into your word because it's good and holy, hopeful, insightful, good for instruction and wisdom. We pray, Lord, that again, this would be the place that is between us, and this would be the thing that is between us, and it is the only thing that is between a brother and sister in Christ. 
that it would always be the thing that we return to over and over again to be nourished and fed and blessed and directed. Would you do that today? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. If you are our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, this first time, when we're together for this first time, I want to suggest to you, and we're going to say this a lot, I think especially whenever I get to be in front of you, I really want to talk to you about hospitality, especially being about food. It's about food. Now, it's very possible that we can find a way to be welcoming and gracious and warm and inviting Christians wherever we go. We can do it in our workplaces. We can do it on the sideline of a soccer field. We can uh, do it in our neighborhood. It's all, it's, that's all possible of what it means to be a gracious, welcoming Christian. But when I talk about hospitality, especially today, I'm going to talk about the intentional preparation of a meal for another person. And the reason why I want to do that is because that actually seems to be at the very heart of what God cares about. These three things I want to just point out to you about hospitality today. This is the, the very first one. Whenever it is we set a table for someone, we are reenacting God's heart for people. We are reenacting God's heart for how he wants to be with people. We were made to exercise and mirror back hospitality. This is what we were made for and designed for. And it is everywhere in the Bible. It is such a common theme that actually we, we often probably just have our eyes and our minds go graze right past it looking for the other truth. But let me just point out to you, just top to bottom, soup to nuts, some of the places where we see hospitality. In the opening chapters of the Bible, God has sort of breathed into existence a man and a woman, and he said, welcome. I have prepared the most exquisite place for you. Come and eat. I've made tons of food for you. Eat all of it, except for that. A little later in the history, God's people have been enslaved by Egypt, and he set them free as an expression of them to celebrate and remember their freedom, what does he do? He gives them a meal, and he says, you remember this moment with this meal every year. You gather up a bunch of people together, and you tell stories, and swap visions, and have the kids talk, and do all this stuff to, to remember what it is I've done for you. Now he says, now get up, get moving, and on the way, what does he do? He feeds them, because he loves them. Manna. He, he has water pouring out from rocks for them. And he points over to the promised land and he says, I am going to send you over there to the promised land and it will be a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to be fed and nourished and blessed because when you have that experience, you are coming closer to what I want for you to be true as a person in God. A little later, Elijah and a widow share hospitality actually together. They don't even really know each other, but it's how they survive a famine together. This little bit of 
um, flour and this little bit of olive oil consistently renew that they might be fed as um, he passes through. Esther saves her whole people by preparing a meal and preparing a supper for her enemy. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Just before he gets on the cross, he says, I am preparing a place for you. I know where you're headed, and I want you to be welcome there. When he hangs on the cross, he looks at this man, also hanging on the cross, and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. This is not the end of your story. If you fast forward all the way to Revelation, what you discover in the last couple chapters of Revelation is that all of God's people are going to be sort of ushered into and warmly embraced as they step into the new city of God, the new heaven and the the new earth. And we're going to bring in our gifts and we're going to feast and supper together. And at the very end, in chapter 22, Jesus Christ and the Spirit say, everyone who's thirsty, Any one of you who longs to have your spirit and your soul slaked, come and drink. Come, be refreshed. You see, hospitality, this intentional seeing someone else and offering them sustenance and nourishment is at the very heart of God. He wants us to do this because He does this. He's really invested in this. Maybe in ways we maybe have missed, because we're always looking as evangelicals, we're always looking, well, where's Jesus? Where's the cross? Where's the blood? Those things are true and good. But look at this expectation from Isaiah chapter 25. The Lord says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meals and the uh, meats, pardon me, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, as we're eating, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. I'm sorry, the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Because this is a promise of salvation and coming together with Christ, we we often and rightly read Jesus Christ into this. But what I want you to notice is this is about food, people. This is about Jesus saying, you are going to be a broken people. You're going to be shrouded. You're going to feel disconnected, not only from the Lord, but from one another. And here's how it's going to get fixed. I am going to lay out this exquisite and beautiful meal for you that you might know what it's like to be welcomed by God. You are going to know oneness through a meal. This sense of division that you have with people who are your neighbors or across the world is going to be healed through really good wine and really great meat and maybe, if you care about this, tofu. 
this is at the very heart of what God wants to do. God wants to say, I, I see who you are. I see that you need to be nourished. I see how disconnected you are. I see how lonely you are. And as you come together on this holy mountain, I will feed you and I will nourish you and we will come together with newfound joy. See, the conquering of death and coming together as one are connected to a meal. Who knew? Who knew? So the reason why we're going to talk about hospitality as we walk our way to the cross is because it's at the very heart of God for His people. The first reason we're going to talk about it is because it's, at God's, it's in God's heart for us to meaningfully, purposefully exercise hospitality. The second reason we're going to do it is because it turns out it's really good evangelism. It's always culturally appropriate evangelism. Let me start to ask this question to you. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Now, you don't have to yell it out loud. You all know the answers. He came to save sinners. He came to show us life. He, he came to bring us life abundant. He came to die on a cross. Yes. Almost never do we come up with this answer that we see in the Gospel of Luke. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But, Jesus says, wisdom is proved right by what she produces, by all of her children. See, Jesus came to save the lost, but he, he came to do it at a table. He came to do it through food came to do it through gathering with people and having conversations with them and eating with them and laughing with them and letting them know that they have been seen and heard and loved. It's been noted multiple times that especially in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is always heading to or at or coming from a meal. The guy just will not stop. If you just read the Gospel of Luke, you would assume that Jesus probably weighed about 280. It's all the guy does. All he does is he eats, and he eats, and he eats. And why does he do that? He does that because he wants people to know and see the heart of God. You see, evangelism, it's, our modes of evangelism, a lot of them are going to go in, they're going to go out. We're going to have the special speaker and then that's going to not be a good thing anymore. We're going to have the program, and that's no longer going to be relevant. We're going to give you the, the um, four ways to do this, and it's no longer going to matter. Do you know what's always going to be relevant? What's always going to matter? Food! You can never go wrong by seeking to build a relationship with a friend around food. You don't have to worry about saying the right thing. All you have to do is just be an ordinary person doing ordinary things with gospel intention. Just have them be at your table. Let Jesus Christ do the rest. But when we gather people around a table and we let them experience the warmth and the welcome of God, 
we're just doing what Jesus did. And it's relevant from the year zero to the year 2017. What year are we in? 17. 18. I always, dang it. See, whenever it is that we get to share a meal, we are, in a certain way, reenacting the gospel. Every time, for example, um, Jesus gave us the Last Supper, we are reminded both of our needs to be nourished and of God's willingness to meet us and feed us. For Peter, after the resurrection, He's pretty sure he's out of the club. He's pretty sure he's no longer going to be part of God's plan. So actually, he goes back fishing. And then Jesus sees him, calls out to him. And Peter jumps off of the boat and into the water and starts swimming towards Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Bless you, my child, you are forgiven. He's like, I'm so glad you're here and you are soaking wet. I've, I've made a fire. You come sit here. I've made some fish for you. I have breakfast for you. Come experience what it's like to be renewed in your relationship with me around food. Come experience the gracious welcome of Jesus Christ as we have this little fish. This is how we experience the sense of love and connection and wholeness. We do it through food. We gather people to our table. We invite them, and we just are ordinary people doing this most of ordinary things. And we do it with gospel intention. So we're talking about hospitality because that's the very heart of God. And it's the way that we can begin to be part of our story of making disciples of all nations. After the last service, I had a choir member come up and say, I've been feeding people for 15 years and still no one's come to the Lord. Now what? And I said, well, I'm not there. Ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intention. Do you let your faith naturally come up? Have you really thought through what, what actually is the threshold that will help your fam, yeah, that person, that friend, that family member sort of cross over into faith in Christ? We're going to talk about those thresholds after Easter. So, but here's the thing I want you to know. We don't convert people to Jesus. We feed them. Jesus brings them to himself. I said, you just keep going. As often as you can, you give them your food. Feed them. Love on them. Tell stories. Let your faith come up in warm, obvious ways. Let Jesus do the work that only Jesus can do. So we're talking about hospitality because it's in God's heart. And because it's a way that we can um, be involved in evangelism. And finally, it's worth noting that our hospitality reveals how well we understand our own salvation. 
how well we intentionally um, invite people into our company around food is a demonstration of how well we personally understand the gospel and what God has done for us. Now we turn to the simple text. It's like in your, in your bulletin from Luke chapter 14. Jesus has been invited to a meal, and he always says yes by a Pharisee. And at verse 7, he turns and he looks and observes all the guests at this dinner party, and this is what he says. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." Then Jesus turned to his host and said, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back, and then you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Hospitality in first century uh, Roman Empire was clearly and obviously about reciprocity. You invited people, maybe even a little bit above your station, hoping that they would owe you. You did it hoping and anticipating to be welcomed back. It was LinkedIn before LinkedIn was a thing. You would invite people into your house, and you'd, you'd feed them as much food as you could, and, and you hope it'd come up that the person that you really wanted to know who couldn't come knew this person, and now they'd repay you with an invite since they ate at your table. You'd go and you would connect and you would try to like, make all these things and maybe you'd be lucky enough they'd, they'd invite you to their party where other important people would be. Now they owe you an invitation or an introduction. Now we might not be as overt about it, but isn't it true that our hospitality often comes with the same intent? Isn't it true that often when we invite people to our own table to share meals, we sort, without saying it, we would never say it, that's not the way we do it, there is an understanding and expectation that they're going to be hospitable back to us sometime. They're going to invite us to the thing, or we're going to go have a cup of coffee, or they're going to share a beer with us, and they're going to pay for it. Here's my Venmo account. We sort of expect and anticipate that when we invite someone or a family or people to our home, the part of that is going to be this expectation that they are going to be able to repay us. 
Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus says, when you host a party, when you seek to be hospitable, improve your guest list. Improve your guest list. If, if it turns out you just invite your friends, rich friends, neighbors, business folks who can do something for you, you've already been repaid. It's not unlike what Jesus says when he talks about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. When he says, those people who pray out loud on the corner to be seen and recognized for how holy they are, they've got their reward. They got it. And it's kind of lame. In the kingdom of God, being recognized for your prayer by other people is kind of lame. In the same way, he says, if you invite a bunch of people to your, to your house and knowing full well and expecting they're going to repay you in some way, then you've got your reward. And it's kind of lame. You get a meal out of it. You've been repaid. You've made the connection. You sealed the deal. Jesus says, when, when, when you seek to be hospitable... Invite those who can't repay you. When you do that, you are demonstrating that you understand what it is that God has done for you. You see, I was blind. I was lame. I was unable to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. And did he wait to invite me until I could bring something to him? He did not. Jesus Christ welcomed me openly and fully into his arms because I was lame. Because I was blind. And he knew how desperately I needed to be made whole. And when we invite those who can't repay us, we are expressing and demonstrating how well we understand that we were blind. We're showing how well we understand what God has graciously done for us. Can I just admit to you, Amy and I are not very good at this. There have been spits and spats at time over our married life when we've invited people and students and high school students and middle school folks who couldn't really repay us. But not enough. This is a growing edge for me, too. And I hope what we're all experiencing in the room is, is not condemnation, because all of us are free from condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But I hope you feel a little conviction. I hope you feel a little twinge, and maybe something about the way you follow Jesus Christ needs to shift. Now, here's a tricky thing about this. I want to recognize that the Bible is also really clear. Christians, friends, we're supposed to gather. We're supposed to gather and feast together and tell stories and pray and share Scripture. And Christians are supposed to get together, nourish each other, encourage one another, prompt one another. Do you know what that's called? Fellowship. Fellowship and hospitality are not the same thing. Both are necessary. 
when you invite those who know Christ or who know you well and know exactly who you are and they embrace all that and they come to you and you tell stories and all those things, well done. That's part of the vision of seeking to know and follow Jesus Christ. But if we're going to follow God's heart and seek to actually enact evangelism and demonstrate how well we actually understand we've been saved, then hospitality is another thing. Hospitality is intentionally closing the distance between you and those you normally would not invite to your table. Hospitality, I love this little definition, is risking your social reputation to have a meal with strangers. Hospitality is risking your social reputation to feed strangers. And to the extent that we do that, we are a demonstration, a living example of the gospel. Seeing those that we cannot repay, or cannot repay us, rather. Seeing those who are never likely maybe even to appreciate how great those Brussels sprouts and bacon really were. And welcoming them back over and over and over again. I'm sorry we haven't talked about this for five years. Uh, as I've been sort of learning and studying over the last couple of months in preparation for this, I've been overwhelmed by what to say to you because there's just so much. And it's really clear as I walk and work my way into the Scriptures, I realize I just have missed something really important. And as your preacher, if I've missed it, it's possible, likely even you've missed it too. But this is a the very heart of how God wants us to operate as his people. Normal people doing normal things with gospel intention. That might not be very easy. In fact, many of us who've grown up in a transactional culture where it's everything is I scratch your back, you scratch mine. It's like, why would I even do that? I, I like my LinkedIn life. I like the way like, I can have a meal and I can talk to you about this thing because I have this other person, I need to talk to them and you know them. I like the discovery of all that. But I want you to know this, friends. Did you notice if we invite people who cannot repay us, people around us might not really notice, but you know who will? Jesus. When you are hospitable with those who can't repay you, Jesus takes notice. He recognizes what you've done. And he says, you will be recognized and repaid in the final days. So you take your sort of expected understanding of what hospitality is, and turn it around. Hospitality is not about the now. It's about the end of days. When Jesus will know. And he will celebrate and repay you for the way you have sought to love his people here, now, and on earth. I wonder how we can 
as a church and how you can, as a people, get the attention of Jesus in this way. Is there someone you walk by and intentionally decide to never notice? Let me give you uh, an example. And I'll just close with this tiny little uh, example. Because I think this is a pretty low bar for most of us. Uh, several years ago, several years ago now, they did this study on what it was like to be a middle schooler in churches. And so they did all of these sort of, they, you know, they did these focus groups and they would watch sort of interactions and fellowship halls and all those kinds of things. And here is probably, I think, the most startling and unsettling statistic. Only one in five adults made intentional eye contact with a middle school student. Only one in five adults made intentional welcoming eye contact with a middle school student. What is a middle school student supposed to think if they walk through the halls of the church and everyone averts their gaze? What if we just started to notice? What if the people who were around us, they started to see that we actually see them and we welcome them and we want to feed them so that they might know the welcome and grace of Jesus Christ? Because on that mountain, he's going to feed us all. The shroud's going to go away. The food's going to be exquisite. And those you have ignored are going to be on your left and on your right. Let's get to know them now. Jesus, we thank you for your gracious and everlasting welcome to us. We thank you for the way that you see us. You know the ways that we are lame. You know the ways that we are impoverished. You know that we can never repay you what you have first given to us. And that you say, come. I am the river of life. Come and be fed. Come and know everlasting life. Lord, help us and guide us this week in knowing how to express the welcome of God to those we usually miss. In Christ's name, amen.